It's that time. It is that time. I didn't even start clapping yet. Y'all used to me clapping, huh? It's that time, and it is that wonderful time for Thursday night service. Welcome. Welcome. And I am just, listen, I am just honored. I am honored that week after week, I have the opportunity and the privilege to serve you spiritual nutrition. It is my honor and it is my heart's desire to make sure that you grow. To make sure that you grow because you were not cosmically created by God for you to remain immature. Mark chapter 12, the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12. Um, we're going to launch our verse reading at verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them of all the commandments. He's speaking to Jesus. He asked him. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The, the power, the power of our text, the power in this biblical narrative, the power in this foundational text, if I just be honest, it has left me wrecked. As I was studying it, this particular message, this particular verse has had me wrecked since Tuesday. Monday night formulating it since Tuesday, discovering where God is taking us on tonight. I have been wrecked personally, and I have read this verse before. I've read this before so many times. I've read all the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, all 39 books in the old, 27 in the new. But this, this one particular time when I was reading this biblical text, it left me wrecked. Have you ever heard a word that just left you wrecked? Like, oh, oh, that word, it wrecked me. That, that sermon, it just, it just wrecked me. That, that message, it just wrecked me. That verse, it just wrecked me. Have you ever been wrecked? And it's actually a good thing because that is just irrefutable evidence that the Holy Spirit has made your heart his construction site. His construction site. There's some walls I need to tear down because of some walls I'm trying to build up. There's some pillars I need to tear down because of some pillars I need to build up. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to be a wrecking ball? I need to knock down that pride and knock down that lust and knock down that entitlement and knock down that resentment and knock down that bitterness. I'm trying to do a work in your heart. I'm trying to do a work in your heart and lay the foundation that promotes growth and spiritual maturity. It left me wrecked. It left me wrecked. I was weeping during my sermon prep, reading this verse. It left me wrecked. And this, this particular scripture that is going to be the boarding pass for the cruise line of this sermonic journey on tonight lives and takes residence in verse 31. Where the king of glory says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Don't miss it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love 
your neighbor as yourself. This, this is highly problematic for a lot of us, and you probably didn't think about it this way, and I didn't think about it either until I actually began to study. I said, man, this, this is problematic, and this, this proposes a bigger issue, because how do I love my neighbor as myself when I don't love myself? I don't love myself. I, I, I don't love myself. I don't love what I see in the mirror. I, I don't think good thoughts about me. I'm verbally abusive to me, but the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. This has nothing to do with me standing before you trying to be a love doctor or give you relational wisdom. I am telling you tonight that there is a kingdom agenda. There is a kingdom ethic. There is a kingdom code that we have to live by as Christ followers. There's a kingdom code. Love for the Christian. It is our DNA. It is the litmus test that reveals if we are organic or if we are false. It is, it is our birth certificate of being reborn is revealed in how we love one another. For this, all men will know that you are my disciples. By the way you preach, that's not what it says. By the way you post, that's not what it says either. By the way, you do good things and post it so everybody else can think you're this spiritual mature post. And that's not, that's not what it says either. The Bible says, love by this all men will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 tells us that our, our roots should be in love. We should be rooted and grounded in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do I do that, church family, when I don't love myself? I'm talking to somebody when I don't love myself. It's, this text is revealing that your love ability has a breach in it. Please hear me. Your love ability has a breach in it when you don't love yourself because you cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. Did y'all just hear what I just articulated? You cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. There's a daughter and there's a son probably watching this message, probably watching me live right now. There is a son and there is a daughter who needs a love from their mother or a love from their father, but they're not receiving it because parents can't give you a love that they don't have for themselves because I cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. So I'm limited on the love I can extend because I'm bankrupt of that love within. There, there's a husband there is a husband probably watching me who is in need of the love from his wife, but he is not getting it because she can't love you from a place of what she doesn't have. You cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. And so I'm limited. I'm limited on my love extension because I'm bankrupt of that love within. There is a church member. There is a church attendee. There is a love that you need from your pastor. There's a love that you need from your shepherd. There's a love that you need from your spiritual leader, but you can't get it because he can't pour from a place 
that is in a drought. And so I'm limited. Oh, I'm getting in trouble. Maybe this is the reason why the miraculous seems to be limited in a lot of our churches. It's because the preachers haven't experienced the miraculous themselves. And I cannot preach to you from a promised land that I have not entered. I, I cannot preach to you from a spiritual discipline that I have not experienced myself. This is how people use the name of Jesus and nothing happens. Because I can't operate in an authority that I'm not under. It is likened unto being outside of a community with the gate closed. You can't get in this subdivision because you don't know the you don't know the access code as you actually have an intimacy with the Lord. I cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. And so I'm limited on the love I could extend because of the bankrupt state of love that I have within. There's a wife right now who is experiencing a deficit in her marriage because her husband cannot love beyond the capacity that he loves himself. Because I cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. And so my love extension is limited because of the bankrupt, the bankruptcy of that love within. I'm going to give you Bible. I'm going to give you a Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28. Look at this. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Are y'all seeing this? Are y'all seeing this? He who loves his wife loves himself. Let's say this backwards. If you don't love yourself. I'm trying to help somebody on tonight. I'm trying to get you to recognize there is a love. There is a self-love. This is not just about romance. This is a kingdom agenda. There is a love that you have to have for you if you're going to be able to love your neighbor. How can I love my neighbor as myself when I hate myself? When, when, when I don't know I don't even know how to love me. What, what does that even look like? And I can't speak. I can't speak to anybody else. But when it comes to this particular conversation, the reason this hit me so hard and the reason it has so much weight on it, because if I be vulnerable before you on tonight, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. If I be vulnerable, I struggle with loving myself. I struggle with loving myself and 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 I've been in church my whole life <laughs> my story's different from from other people I've been in church my whole life 33 years and nine months I've been in church my whole life and I have never heard a sermon I have never been taught I have never been discipled nobody ever sat me down and gave me a biblical exegesis and showed me in the scriptures listen it is important for you to learn how to love you it is valuable for you to know your value it is a necessity for you to know how to love yourself, not because culture says so, but because it is a kingdom agenda. You have to love your neighbor. Jerry, as a pastor, there are people who are going to look to me because each and every week you give them doctrine and your ability to love them is tied with how you love me and how you love 
yourself. I, I just feel like I'm talking to somebody on tonight. Do you struggle with loving yourself? Less, less times looking in the mirror. I don't like what I see. And now it makes sense. It makes sense. I could never embrace or engage in celebratory moments. I can't embrace and celebratory moments that I have achieved because I minimize all of my milestones and I billboard all of my screw-ups. I minimize all of my milestones because they are eclipsed by everything I have done versus everything I am becoming. Gosh, Holy Spirit, help us. Listen, I'm trying to teach us on tonight how to fall in love with the process of who you're becoming versus shaming yourself for who you have been. Did y'all hear me? I'm trying to get us to fall in love with the process of who you are becoming versus your mistakes and your failures and your shortcomings and how you missed the mark. And if you would have done this and if you would have done that, I'm trying to get us to fall in love with who you're becoming with who you're becoming. Now, now I understand why jealousy is so prominent in the church. I understand why jealousy is so prominent in our hearts now. Because you can't applaud organically for them if you don't know how to applaud you. I really don't know how to celebrate them organically if I don't know how to celebrate me. Because... I cannot pour from a place that is in a drought. Now it makes so much sense. It, it, make, it makes so much sense on why I can't celebrate them. Listen, listen. The lack of self-love is the epicenter of us projecting our thoughts on other people. Did y'all hear me? The lack of self-love is the epicenter on why we keep projecting our thoughts on other people. They don't like me and they, they don't think this is going to be good. No, you don't like yourself. And you don't think it's going to be good. That, that post was about me. They, be, they being petty. I know they're posting about me. They always have something negative to say about me. They always criticize me. Could it be that post is not even about you, ma'am? That post is not even about you, sir. It's you spend so much time criticizing yourself. Y'all, are y'all ready for this? This is why for many of us, rejection is so hard. You know why? Because you have rejected you before they ever rejected you. You have rejected you before they ever have rejected you. So when they reject you, it is confirmation for your self-hatred. <laughs> Taurus, did you hear what I just said? It is confirmation for your self-hatred. Because since I already rejected me, when they reject me, it is a confirmation that I'm not worthy and I'm not good and everything I do falls short. And I'm trying to help somebody on the night fall in love with the process of who you're becoming versus shaming yourself for who you have been. A lot of us, you gaslight yourself. You, you gaslight yourself. No wonder. No wonder we tolerate being cursed out. I'm getting an all in somebody's business. No wonder we tolerate being cursed out. No wonder we tolerate verbal abuse. You're verbally abusive to yourself. 
you, you curse yourself out. This, this is a thought. This is a thought that I really believe the Holy Spirit gave me. As I was studying, the Holy Spirit was revealing this to me. Jerry, if you were to talk to your wife, if you were to talk to Tanisha, the way that you talk to yourself, you will be considered an abusive husband. I don't even know if she would stay. The way you talk to you, I'm being vulnerable right now. The way you talk to you, the thoughts that you entertain about you, if you were to speak the same way to yourself, speak the same way to her as you do yourself, you would be verbally abusive. And I wonder, this is a judge-free zone, I wonder how many of us are verbally abusive to you. I called my wife in the room. I held her hands. She's looking at me all confused, and I said, Tanisha, I need to apologize to you. She's looking all confused. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, baby? I said, I have not been loving you the way that I can love you. She's like, Jerry, I feel love. No. I have not been loving you with how I can love you because God is showing me, God is showing me that I need you to love your wife. Right there in Ephesians, I just read it to you. A husband who loves himself loves his wife. And if I could fall in love with how God made me, if I can fall in love with me, you haven't experienced love yet because now I'm on the quest of becoming. And she was at the studio working on a song and she came back to the house and I said, I'm proud of you. You, 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 you went over there and you worked on your song. You worked on your music. And she said, yeah, but I, I just got to stick with it. I got I to stick with it. You know, I started stuff before and I haven't finished. And I said, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Fall in love with who you're becoming. We're, we're not shaming ourselves. For what we have been. I am honoring you that you did something today that you did not do yesterday. And Tanisha, my ability to notice your efforts are higher now. Because the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me about falling in love with who you're becoming. And so now I'm learning how to appreciate who I'm becoming. And you know what that did for me as your husband? It caused for me to appreciate who you're becoming. I thought I was before, but now I have a whole nother tone. Before I probably would have said, yes, just formulate a schedule and stick with it because you have to birth this in the earth. But now I'm like, no, I'm so proud of you. I know I said I'm proud of you before, but now I see that you are becoming something and I will not hold who you have been against you. And I think a lot of us, not only do we need to ask God for forgiveness because self-hatred is saying, God, you made a mistake when you made me. Not only do we need to ask God for forgiveness, but a lot of us need to forgive ourselves for the way you talk to you, for the thoughts you think about you. And here's the crazy thing, y'all. You are always there for you. <laughs> You're always there for you. You, you brush your teeth, hopefully. You brush your teeth. You wipe your behind. You bathe your body. You blow your nose. You feed your stomach. If you get sick, you take care of you. The nights where you're crying 
alone. Nobody knows it but you and God. You wipe your tears. You are there for you. How much more? How much more confident? How much more anointed? How free would you be if you actually learned how to love the you God made you? I wonder how your joy meter would look. I'm talking to somebody. I'm looking right at you. I wonder how your joy meter would look if you were to fall in love with who you're becoming versus shaming yourself for who you have been. Because I'm trying to get us to see this is a kingdom agenda. Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I'm trying to get somebody to understand you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. By the way, you love one another. And I'm trying to get somebody to see that if you don't love you, you are limited on your ability to carry out this kingdom agenda. So God, right here, right now, I, I just feel your presence, God. Just like I felt it when I was studying. I feel that somebody is being spoken to right now from this word. And just, just like I said, if you ever heard a message that left you wrecked, some of us in the intro are wrecked because we recognize I have not been loving me. I've not been loving me. I've been magnifying all of my failures. I've been magnifying all the places I've missed it. I've been magnifying all the areas I fall short and I have not been giving myself grace space. I have not been loving who you are building me to become. I've been shaming and gaslighting and being verbally abusive to myself because of who I've been and I repent. And God, in this moment, would you please, in this moment, let it be said, that it was on this day where the files of my life changed because I stopped looking in the folders of my past, but I started embracing the folders of my becoming. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. There are broken people. There are hurting people, and they are lost people who need to encounter the love of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, love them like you love you. And I want to help somebody on tonight to learn how to love you. I want to speak around this thought from this subject just for a few more moments. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? And I'm answering your question. I might do a part two to this. I don't know. But I'm asking your question. Maybe you're like this because you don't love you. I understand their experiences that have shaped us, but who you become is strictly tied to your yieldedness of the spirit, the way you think about yourself, engaging in kingdom living and loving you. Loving you. There's a confession. This one right here, I need everybody to say it. If you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Facebook, I need everybody. If you're watching on our online campus, I need everybody to put this in the room in all caps. I felt power as I was formulating this message and this confession. I need everybody to put in the room in all caps. Can I get you to say, God, forgive me for not loving me because how I love me affects how I love them. Powerful, y'all. One more time. God, forgive me. I feel tears, bro. 
God, forgive me for not loving me because how I love me affects how I love them. And I, I just, I really want to just get straight to points. I want to give you like 10 points, 10 methods, 10 steps on how we could get to the place to where we love ourselves. Since we have this obligation, this duty in the earth, and I understand there's a pressure for us to not like us. Am I telling the truth? There's a pressure for you to feel as though God made a mistake when he made you. There is a pressure for you to believe that you cannot recover from that mistake. There is a pressure for you to believe that this is as good as it gets. There is a pressure for you to believe due to all these children I have, nobody will want me now. There is a pressure to believe the market is too saturated. Who will embrace my business or who will come to my ministry? There is a pressure for us to believe negative thought after negative thought. About ourselves and I want to combat them with the Word of God and I just want to give you some steps on how we could embrace this beautiful journey of who we're becoming versus shaming ourselves for who we've been but first I do want to break down what what self-love is what self-love is I could not confine this or compartmentalize this to just one definition I felt as though the Holy Spirit gave me several different meanings on what self-love is. So I'm going to give them to you. First one, self-love is nothing more than cherishing the work of the potter. This is so good. Self-love is nothing more than cherishing the work of the potter. And who is the potter? Our God. Because how you view you, how you view you is the syllabus you give others on how to treat you. I'm going to say that again. How you view you is the syllabus that you give others on how they treat you. Self-love, and this is required for you to carry out a kingdom agenda. Self-love is not being conceited or self-absorbed. It is to make a conscious choice to believe the good about yourself versus the bad. Self-love this is a requirement for us to carry out the kingdom agenda. Self-love is to believe that when God made you and he looked at you and said, it is good, he was telling the truth. <laughs> Self-love is to believe when God said, you are the head and not the tail, he was telling the truth. Self-love is to believe when God said, you are above and you are not beneath, he was telling the truth. Self-love is to believe when God said that you are blessed going and blessed coming, that he was actually telling the truth. Self-love is to believe when God said that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, he was telling the truth. You're not a mistake. Self-love. It is a requirement for us to carry out the kingdom agenda. Listen, self-love is not the omission of chapters in your life, but rather it is refusing to let that chapter be the title of your life. My God, did y'all hear me? Self-love is, 
is not the omission of chapters in your life. It is just refusing to let that chapter be the title of your life. Yes, in that chapter, you made a mistake, but that is not your title. You are a mistake. Yes, in that chapter, you made some very foolish choices, but that's not the title. You are a foolish person. Self-love is not the omission of chapters but rather it is refusing to let that chapter be the title of your life. And a lot of us, we hate the very thing that pushed us in a position to have surgery. It took that heartbreak. It took that betrayal. It took that pain to get you to this place. And a lot of us hate the very thing that God allowed to form us. It's not the omission of a chapter. It's refusing to let that chapter be the title of your life. Self-love, it is a requirement for us to carry out the kingdom agenda. Self-love is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Culture kind of believes that about self-love. Self-love is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but rather is thinking the same thoughts about you that the Most High thinks. This is so good, man. Self-love is not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but rather is thinking the same thoughts about you that the most high thinks. Because I want to learn how to love what God loves. And watch this. God loves you. Did y'all catch that? I need to learn how to love what God loves. And God loves you. I'm not, I'm not arrogant and I'm not thinking more highly of myself. I'm just thinking the thoughts about me that the most high thinks about me. Look at this. Jeremiah chapter 29. Let me give you Bible. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God is saying, listen, I know how I'm thinking about you. And the thoughts I'm thinking about you are good. And the thoughts I'm thinking about you, I'm trying, I, like all my thoughts are about giving you a hope and giving you a future. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the text, if we were to marry these two passages of scripture, God is saying, listen, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I have good thoughts. I don't have evil thoughts. Like, I'm thinking about your future, and I'm going to give you a hope. This is how I think. And Philippians chapter 2 was saying, all right, the way the Lord thinks, let that same mindset become your mindset. I understand his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But it's saying, listen, I need you to learn. I need you to learn and get intimate with the Lord enough so that I start to think the same way about things that he thinks about them. If he thinks I'm chosen, I need to start thinking I'm chosen. If he thinks I'm anointed, I have to start thinking I'm anointed. If he thinks I'm called, I have to think I'm called. He's telling you, I know the thoughts I have towards you. And they're not that you're stupid. They're not that you're a mistake. They're not that you're so dumb. The verbal abuse that you keep on saying every time that you fall off and every time that you fall short and every time that you make a bad decision all those words that you're saying about you I'm gonna give you a shock and illumination God knew everything you would do before he even called you and he still called you self-love this is a requirement 
for us to carry out the kingdom agenda. It's this, this love pattern, the love for God, the love for me, and the love for others. This love pattern, the love for God and the, the love for self and the love for others. I'm seeing how these scriptures are married, y'all. I'm seeing how they have this covenant. These scriptures are married. I know the thoughts that I have about you, thoughts of good and not evil. Let the same mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. I need you to think thoughts about yourself that I think about you. I, I, I now understand. I now understand when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Maybe one of the things is love. The love pattern. Love God. Love yourself. Love people. If I seek first God and I learn how to love God, by default, I'll start to love what God loves. And God loves me. The more I begin to spend time with him, the more I begin to binge sermons, the more I begin to have devotion, because I stated it before, if I don't know the voice of God in devotion, I won't know it in direction. And a lot of us aren't devoted enough to be able to devote our thoughts to the thoughts that God has about you. Love God, love for yourself, love for others. If I don't love God, I won't be able to love myself. If I don't love myself, I can't love others. And Jesus says, this is the greatest, the greatest commandment. There's no commandment greater than loving me with your whole totality and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. This is not this is not just about romance. This is a kingdom agenda that as Christ followers, we have to follow. Okay? So how do we, how do, we do this, Jay? I hear you, but how do we do this? Point number one, no more verbal abuse. No more. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? No more verbal abuse. I'm going to stand here and sweat and wait until you drop the comment in the room. No more verbal abuse. Y'all think I'm playing. I'm literally going to stand here and wait. I need you to put it in the room in all caps. No more verbal abuse. The way that you're talking to yourself, no more. The thoughts that you have been thinking about yourself, no more. The negative language that you've been saying over yourself, no more. No more verbal abuse. Why? Why? I already showed you the scripture. I know the thoughts I have towards you. So the thoughts that you have towards you are not the thoughts that God has about you. I know the thoughts that I have towards you. And God does not have verbally abusive thoughts towards you. No more verbal abuse. There you go. Keep putting it in the room. No more verbal abuse. Why? Point two, because I need to learn how to speak life. I need to learn how to speak life. Can we go a little deeper? Let's go a little deeper, okay? You do understand that one of the assignments of angels is to carry the word, okay? Let me give you Bible, all right? Psalms chapter 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. Other translations say who carry out his word, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. 
Blessed the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Now watch this. Watch this. Listen. Now we have to understand a lot of us, your angels are unemployed. <laughs> your angels are unemployed because you're not speaking the word for them to carry. God watches over his word to perform it. Now, it makes so much sense why Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking? You need to speak life because it is the job of angels to carry the word. And when you speak the word, it is their job to make sure that that word comes into fruition in your life. And God watches over his word to perform it. And his word will never return. Turn unto him void. What words are you speaking? But be careful. Be careful. Because demons are fallen angels. And they carry our words too. So when I tell you no more verbal abuse. And I tell you speak life. I'm actually giving you weapons on how to engage in spiritual warfare. I may think it, but I don't have to speak it. I'm not speaking those things because they bring forth life or death. What is the condition of your mouth? If your, if your tongue brings forth life and death, which one is your tongue? A delivery unit or a grim reaper? Did y'all, I just need to pause. Say la on them boys. I just need to pause. If death and life is in the power of your tongue, what does your tongue produce? A delivery unit, something's being born, or a grim reaper, something's about to die. Speak life. Point number three, what does daddy say about me? What does daddy say about me? Before the pandemic, I was taking my daughter on dates. And as we go out on these dates, I always tell her, I said, listen, I, I pray that Jesus comes back before this time happens. But just in case he doesn't, um, when you get of age, you see how daddy treats you. You see how daddy respects you. You see how daddy talks to you. If he doesn't do what daddy does, he's not an option. That's how I've been training baby girl. A daddy dating her. Listen, if he doesn't do what daddy does, he's not an, op he's not an option. So one day we were walking together and somebody saw her and said, oh, she is so beautiful. She's so cute. And she said, my daddy tells me that. Confident in what daddy said. What did daddy say about you? Do you believe what daddy said or do you believe what their post said? Do you believe what daddy said or do you believe what that narcissist said? I'm getting in trouble. Do you believe what daddy said or do you believe what that religious person in the pulpit who really is just a businessman with a bishop's collar, do you believe what they said? Uh-oh. Do you believe what daddy said or do you believe what your ex said? Believe what daddy says about me. What did daddy say? Number four is huge. Grace space. I just don't understand why so many of us are so non-gracious to yourself. No grace. You make a mistake. Man, you're stupid. Give grace to yourself. You're becoming you are in the process, please hear me, when you come to Christ, you are in a process of learning and unlearning at the same time. And you have learned wrong longer than you have learned the way.
You have learned wrong longer than you have learned the way. Grace space. Grace space. Forgive yourself for all the times you made choices in ignorance and in rebellion. Grace space. Give yourself grace for the times you missed it. Reward yourself for the times you hit it. Not because it's by works that any man should boast, but I'm learning how to love myself. Y'all, this is so basic. When I first got my dog, when I was training him how to use the potty outside, when I was training him tricks, every time he did it right, I gave him a treat. This is how his master was training him. And I believe ever so often, when you live a life of obedience, the master gives you something. It may not be something tangible, but it might be peace. It may not be something that you could possess, that you could buy from a store. Oh, but it might be joy. Every single time we seek the Lord and we're striving to obey him, if you draw nigh to me, I draw nigh to you. And I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Grace space. Number five, the power of no. I'm trying to help somebody. How do you fall in love with yourself? The power of no. Not necessarily to people, but to thoughts. You're no good. No, I'm not going to believe that. This is going to fail. No, I'm not going to believe that. What you did was too bad. No, God told me all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I have made a mistake, but like I've learned on tonight, that is a chapter, not my title. The power of of no. This, I kind of already said it this one before I got ahead of myself. Number six, reward the becoming. Reward who God is allowing you to become. Number seven, temple care. I got to take care of this body. This, okay, if the whole, if your body is the Holy Spirit's house, what is it, what is the condition of your temple? I'm not just talking about physical exercise that is needed, but I'm also talking about what what words are you allowing to come in your ear gate? What are we watching that is allowing it to come in our eye gate? Because that affects the way we think, and as a man thinketh, so is he. Number eight, that's none of my business. What you think about me, it's none of my business. Why? Because number three was, what does daddy say? You might have thoughts all about me, but Jeremiah chapter 29 lets me know that God has thoughts about me and they are good, not evil. So how you think about me, that's none of my business. And I do know my business. It's to advance the kingdom. And for many of us, your business right now, I have to invest in loving me. Because I want to love what God loves. And God loves me. Number nine, rest. Rest. A lot of us are tired. Now, and I get it. Sometimes rest is not always actually taking a nap, but it's taking a promise and resting in it. Taking a promise. Mine for years has been, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. And I've been resting and that promise. And if God rested to set forth a model because he didn't need it, maybe we should look at the word of God and see 
sometimes I'm not me when I'm tired. And if God rested, I need rest too. Maybe not on a pillow or in a bed, but on a promise. Last one, I must have recreation. I understand right now you're edifying your spirit, man. Tonight, I just wanted to teach how do we get to a place till we start loving ourselves. But I have to do things I enjoy that's not sin. I have to do things that I enjoy that is not sin. Because if I don't love me, the kingdom command, the kingdom mandate, I'm not going to be able to fulfill. How can I love my neighbor, ask myself, when I hate myself? And now, maybe this makes sense on why there's so much hatred in the world. Because there's a lot of hate in me. And there are a lot of people walking around who hate themselves. And it's being manifested as acts of violence. So I just want to come on here tonight and encourage you. Love what God loves. And you know what he loves? You. By this all men will know that you're my disciples. By the way, you love one another. God, teach me how to love me. Let me, let me feast on this word, God. We don't want to just hear messages that make us shout all the time, God. We want to hear messages to help us grow. I thank you, God, for the practicality and the well-roundedness of the spiritual nutrition so that you can cause people to begin the beautiful journey of loving what you love. And what do you love? You love us. Help us to love ourselves. Be gracious to ourselves because you love us and you are gracious to us. We understand that self-love is not thinking thoughts of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but it's rather thinking the thoughts that the Most High thinks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.